and Joanna Cruz is coming. I'm going to let people end just in the last few minutes. And I've done a, num a few of those work talk like physically before the whole Corona and, and lockdown started. Uh, we did a number with Joana and, and Mateus in Brazil when we were there, oh God, a year ago. And, and it's weird because if we were in a physical place, like some of you have met each other in labs and now you're living in your own countries and you see each other, it's like, hey, Mateus, ha, Dimitra, <laughs> you're here. But if we were really meeting, we would, you know, we would hug each other and... Mm. And the thing that um, we call our box, how many people, Manon, I think it's probably, you're, you're a newbie here. And most of those yeah. people and I know, when I say, if I say the word box, do, does that make any sense to you? Do you know what I'm talking about? Not really, I heard a, a few things, but I'm very new and I don't speak Good English, so sorry for that. <laughs> it's okay. I think almost everybody, English is not their first language here. It's not even my first language. So we're all speaking a foreign language and it works. So don't worry about that. So I just wanted to say that you might even notice like when you go to, to dinner parties or to seminars or to um, even at work, if when this whole like working at home is is not happening is our this thing that we call the box this this our survival strategy the our our show is so quick in scanning the people we like and the people we don't like and our friends and our enemies or the people it's like yeah no they're not so interesting or god he's cute, I'm gonna go talk to him, or he's cute, I cannot talk to him. And we all have our, our own version of our box. And, and in a way online, it's kind of harder to, for our boxes to do this and to say, okay, I'm gonna sit next to them, but I'm not gonna sit next to them. And there's all this stuff, all this stuff is happening in here. It's in a way, for me, it's like, it makes us way more vulnerable um because you know if we wanted to sit at the back of of rows like at the back of the dock here we can't really because everybody's like in front row so a lot of our survival strategies actually don't work so well online and and, and here we are still so i'm going to say hello to joanna and annie welcome and tatiana even hello. if you don't have your video on yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. This is going to be two hours, about two hours, and I'm I'm also going to say that I mean a lot of a lot of you guys I I know and I and I love and there's uh, also new people and I and this is recorded and so I I I also want to speak to the people who who will listen to this recording is. Mm. this is going to be this work this work talk which is this being being right or being in relationship emerges out of the context of the work of possibility management 
And possibility management is, uh, we would call it thoughtware for next culture, which is the, the inner maps, the, the inner structure that we use to relate to the world or to relate to ourselves. And uh, many people who meet possibility management first get to meet it through what we would call feelings work. So rage club or fear club, uh, or even Joanna is running an unmix your feeling club. And so some, it's, some people think possibility management is feelings work because we're, we're so, we train a lot, this muscle of our heart, like being able to feel. And it, it turns out is that if the, until we can feel, until this muscle of our heart comes back to life, until we unchain it from all the numbness mechanism that we've used to like suppress it and, 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 and basically kill it and numb it or put our heart in a box under a bed or very far away from myself, um, we, our, our ability to relate, like our ability to relate is just screwed. And in our ability to observe ourselves, our ability to be with ourselves, and like for example, during these two hours, I I mostly want to not talk so much and do exercises with you, and so you get to, because the point of the exercises, or I would call them experiments, is to face, to get a mirror, like to face into what, in our ordinary life, we just go about it, and it's this running engine mechanism survival strategy that we don't we have no meta conversation there's no conversation to face into how we function like what are the ways that we've figured out to survive and when we go into uh, breakout rooms and do experiments that are outside of our ordinary life then there's we can finally have a look like see ah okay this is Mm, this is the way that I've found to protect myself, to protect my heart, to protect my soul. And so I, I, I really, I want to say that this is going to be an experiment, an experiment space. And if that's not quite okay with you, if you're not up for experimenting or facing into our underworld, like your underworld, you can just click the button, leave, and I will still love you and we can talk later. Okay, Annie. I have a question. Yes. Uh, circumstances are that I'm on the road on a long, long car trip, with yes. a long straight highway. Would it be okay, do you think, for me to continue to drive or should I pull aside and? I. I don't know how well you can split your attention, but if you can split I'm pretty your, good at that. Okay. Yeah. If you can split your attention and keep carrying on the road because I do not want you to have an accident. And if you're in a breakout room, you can talk or listen. We won't be doing high intensity feeling, but if you can talk or listen and keep driving, I think it will be fine. Yes. Straight, big road, moderate traffic. Okay. I will pay attention. Sounds Thank like you. America. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
Okay, any other logistical considerations? Uh, do I need a chair or something? No. Cool. No. No. I, I would tell you if this was like I was going to put you in a chair process and bend you all around and you would be screaming around, I, I, would, I would tell you before we start. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So here we are, or here I am, sort of for the past couple of weeks, it's been, I've been venturing in this territory of pretty dangerous territory of this contradiction that I could find in me, but I found it also in other people and many people, almost everybody that I meet, this contradiction between this need, like this survival neurotic uh, contraction need of being, being right in relationship, like being right. I mean, even in relationship where, with ourself, but here I'm more talking in terms of interactions. And the more I started diving in this territory, I saw how that was contradictory it did not um, allow it was it's like mutually exclusive with our ability to be to relate to to be in connection in a relationship and create love and 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 the and the tension that it creates because this being right is so instinctual it is so, it's almost like this animal protect like I need to, to protect myself. I need to be right about, for example, I need to be right about the way I feel. That the way I feel is, is right. Or what I say is right. Or how I, I consider something uh, is, is, the only, is the right way because it is the only way to have a perspective on, on, on anything. I mean, and, and that actually are so, the word that I was using, uh, the, our box can consider, I mean, I was researching and I thought, okay, my box, it's only purpose. or it's only like it's main tool of defense. This thing, this survival strategy is to be right about itself. It's like, it's to be right about how it works. It's to be right about Mm, I mean, even the box is, can or would want to be right about being wrong. And I want to say that again, because many people have this strategy of being right about being wrong or being not okay. I'm right about being not okay. Or I'm right about being depressed. Or I'm right about um, what needing to isolate myself, there is no other way. And I'm going to defend like the box says, I'm going to defend, uh, my not okayness, my depression, my needing to be fixed or my woundedness, because that is the only way that I found to that. I, that the, the box says, that's the only way I found that I'm sure I'm surviving. I'm sure I'll survive if I can prove that I'm depressed, if I'm prove that I'm, I'm um, even that I was wrong in a conversation. Some people just want to always give the other person the benefit of the doubt, like they're, they, they are right. Like, so anybody have, 
have a box like that, that you, you want to be right about being wrong, about being depressed, about being not okay. 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 And so, mm, I mean, in a way, I mean, not in a way, it's a form of insanity. Like our, our commitment to needing to be right is insane because there, it, you, like being, being right doesn't exist. Like being right is a fantasy world. But to be so attached to it that we would uh, sacrifice our relationship, sacrifice love, sacrifice evolution, sacrifice collaboration for this justification of I am right is a, is a form of human insanity. And, and in a way, that's what's going on in the world. I mean, every war is because each party thinks they're right and they're not going to get off it. They refuse to get off the way they see things. And I, I get to watch like movies and, and, and TV shows and the more I'm, I've been getting in this, in this territory of either, either I can be right or either I can be in relationship, it's mutually exclusive. And I, and I watch the movies and all of the drama, the dramas of the movies, the people manage to make movies because of the need of the character to be right. They've designed the character that if they're right, then they can be drama. And this is how we relate to, um, you know, the difficulty of loving people, like, or the pain of loving people, or the pain of doing what we want. Or, and it's, and it's this, our attachments are, yeah, our grip on needing to be right. So, and I, I want to start with you guys with a practice, like going into breakout room in an experiment because I think we might all have a sense, like an intellectual sense of what being right is. Well, like who, um, yeah, what does it mean to be right? And actually where I wanna go with this is, it's also an experience. This tightening, defensive, um, needing to be right is an experience that comes from my box. And I would like you guys to ex experience this while noticing yourself, like having a chance to notice yourself when you are trying to be right so we can talk about it. So we can see what you discover about yourself in this, um, in this imperative. Does anybody like wanna say anything or have any questions before we, we go into breakout rooms? And Chloe, what imperative means? Can you say it again? Uh, what imperative means? Imperative. It's like um, obligate, obligatory, like mandatory. Mm. It's like it has to be like this. Mm. It Thanks. has to be like this, yeah. Okay, well, let's go into breakout rooms and we'll, we'll talk about it a little more. We'll go in, you, everybody's gonna go into pairs and 
one person will start and and the person your job is to be right okay, your job is on purpose to be right about something you can pick anything and but pick something that makes sense to your box like you'll be right about um like that the coronavirus is a scam it was a hoax or that the coronavirus is what the planet needed or uh you know about 5g or about um how to raise children or uh that being german is horrible or like whatever whatever your box um loves to be right about it do you talk about this and the other person you just be yourself okay you just be yourself and also notice what happens with you but it's not you know you don't have it's not just about listening you just you are in this regular interaction and you get about four minutes per person and then i'll tell you to to shift and then the second person your job is to defend your the righteousness your righteousness um so it's kind of a conversation yeah you would want it to be and and see how it goes in terms of how how much how much can you have a conversation okay and magdalena would you stay with me in in the main room thank you cool and i will need to log in again with my phone i have this technical issue okay i'm almost there Okay, you should uh, have an invite, Julia. I'm just writing, just give me a second. Mm -hmm. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? I would like to start. Go ahead. Um, I'm Chloe. I want to tell you about veganism and how this is the cure for what's happening in the planet, in our planet, the devastation, the deforestation. And it just seems so simple that if people switch to veganism, that will be just like a click. You know, we, we transform, we become more, uh, uh, we have more empathy because we care about the animals and we don't create suffer and we take care of the planet uh, by not over harvesting it and not... Um, Magdalena, but what about, what about the people who need to eat meat or like, like the indigenous people where, you know, it's their, their survival depends on eating meat? What about them? Yes, we can create a lab, a meat lab, a lab, no, the meat in the lab for them. Just so you know, it doesn't have to be like 
No, you got me here. Okay, I want to start again. Mm. Okay. Yes. I believe that veganism is a great cure on the large scale for like huge communities of people and uh, a standard, um, it's called that standard American diet when people overconsume meat. So uh, introducing veganism might be a, a quite radical move and it might happen if people are told you cannot eat meat anymore. However, when people are living in the, you know, like forests and stuff like that, and they provide their own meat, they don't really go to the supermarket and buy it as a convenience without paying the price for raising the, the, the animals, the, the water the animals actually consume. Yeah, but what it, like, well, I'm, I was born in France and I, I love cheese. And if people told me you can never eat cheese for the rest of your life, like I, I would, like I would make a revolution. I would have a revolution. Mm -hmm. And, and so it feels like such a sacrifice for me to not eat cheese anymore. Do you care how your cheese is being produced? I mean, I try to buy bio and I, and I, I don't look always. So yes mm -hmm. and no. Okay. Have you tried any of the cheese alternatives like plant-based cheese? No. Okay. But I, okay. I, I don't, it doesn't feel natural to me to be vegan. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I have, I think it's what weird. Is it, what, what, what is it that you lack in, in being vegan? In your cheese. definition? Like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I would be lacking cheese. <laughs> I am, I am vegan and I really miss eating eggs, even though I tried uh, like um, last summer with being vegan, I tried some egg. It doesn't, it doesn't taste the same and I wouldn't have it again. It was like a, from, from a, um, it was during expand the box. Yes. And I tried this scrambled egg thing because it, Oh my God, the smell was amazing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give it a go. You know, I, I want to test if I'm like this 100% vegan person that is like just bomb all the rules and stuff and just test it. And I tried it and it just didn't, didn't taste good. It wasn't, it wasn't what my body needed. It was my memory and my idea about the egg that I was missing. However, and this is mostly about how how we produce the meat and animal byproducts being eggs or milk and all the antibiotics that go into the food and the deforestation and just uh, cutting off the, you know, the Amazon uh, forest for palm oil, for uh, soy to, to feed it to the animal stock. And it's just, in simple words for me, veganism, not 100% veganism, but like even some percent veganism, yeah? If, for example, I eat cheese sometimes, like maybe for yourself. And for me, if I have, you know, a good source of eggs, maybe that would be something for me. But 
it might be a cure for the overconsumption of our planet in my thank you i'm trying to write uh that's okay <laughs> Okay. I I don't I don't understand people who I don't understand people who live in cities. Like I used to live in cities and it's so inhumane really. And it's like it's there's no nature. There's all these sounds and the people, I, I can feel it. I, I, treat, I don't like the people living in a city because they're so like single-minded and they're so self-centered. Don't you find that, that the people in the cities, they're so self-centered? No. How would you spread the whole world's population if it wasn't for the cities? Well, I... I think, I mean, there's a lot of place, like we in the Canary Islands and there's like place everywhere and there's abandoned houses everywhere. And, and I think in a way people wouldn't, I don't know, the people in the city, they just, they don't live in villages. They don't know how to relate to people or communicate to people. And so it's like, what are they doing in cities? I think, I think people who are do, living in cities, they're just, I don't know, they, they're just going about their life. Like they're just, they're like in this hamster wheel. They're in this hamster wheel. And, and, and they just want to look good and have money and, and they're just city dwellers. And I... I'm sorry. Do you know yeah. what? I, I, I'd love to live outside of the city. However, at the moment, I live in Glasgow, which is one of the biggest cities in Scotland. And I had a pretty similar mindset to you. And then one day I approached a neighbor who was doing, planting some plants uh, like tomatoes and uh, some flowers and not even his back garden. It's like a backyard just next to all this crap bin and we approach him like being oh my god you're doing something really cool here and let's let's chat and and we gave him our soap and we just started talking and and they they just appeared so lovely and so caring and they just uh whenever they cook something vegan they're like oh come down we give you some food and let's have a chat and let's connect you know so yeah but like most like okay but maybe maybe you get a great neighbor but like most of the other people living in the city, they're miserable. I can tell you, they're miserable people. And you seem so right. <laughs> I can, I mean, I lived in Paris and I lived in New York, and 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 it was and it was crazy. And it was like in my mind, then my whole system had to live at the pace of a city instead of living at the pace of what I wanted. So when everybody wakes up, I need to wake up. And we, and people, you know, 
then I, I need to go and have parties and, and otherwise we, I'm not in the city. And it's, so it's this whole crazy life that takes over people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you think all people living outside of the cities, they've been born there? Probably. I think probably. There's, I mean, there's a lot of old people where I live. There's a lot of okay. old people. Okay, so, okay, all the young people are going to the city because they think it's going to be exciting. It's, they think they're going to get, like, um, you know, great girlfriends or boyfriends or they're going to get drunk. And, like, here, they, if they're in the village, they have, there's more accountability. There's more responsibility. And so that's what I think. People who go into the city, they want to avoid responsibility. And they want to just... I want to risk it and say that you haven't looked strong enough well enough and like you know finding people who are you know there is still like people going to i don't know tibetan uh, meditation centers and they live in the cities there are people who are i don't know like uh okay 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 I'll tell you one other thing. the people who live in the city they use other people as slave to make cheap food and that's the, you know they're they have no other way than being being slave makers like being masters of the farmer slave and the, the third world country and you know the asian country and the african country making cheap things for them so they can buy cheap and pay high rent so city dwellers are, are masters of slaves and and we can't go on like this okay I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. what were you trying to be right about? What were you succeeding in being right about? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a idea that people from other countries cannot understand each other's. So it's impossible to visit some place and live as you as you was born there. So and people yeah. even don't question about how is to live, how to be in different in a different context yeah god you're so right (laughs) (laughs) okay okay i have been practicing practicing. (laughs) Practicing. (laughs) okay i i want to ask both and and please tell me when you're talking what part of you are were you noticing like, what did you notice as this person trying to be right? What did you notice in, like, how did, how was it? And, well, let me ask that first. How was it? Phyllis. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I feel, I use my anger and, and I, it's a really tough one because I think I am right. And I know it's, and I also know that it limits 
my ability to connect with some people and to hear the other side. And yet I, it's, there is the other side is it's, it's, you know, it's about racism in America and it's institutionalized. You can't argue that. So it's, it's just a tough one for me to, to um, back down on. Yeah. And, and it really gets in the way of, of um, continuing conversations with people who don't believe that. It, it, what, so what did you, how, what did you notice? Like, what are your strategies? How, how are you right? How are you, me, yeah. Well, my strategies are evidence and, um, and authority, looking at authority in our country and evidence around people in authority using their power to hurt people who in, at a much higher percentage who are people of color than people who are white and more privileged. Yeah. Thank you. And they're even hurting people, black people who are privileged and you know, getting stopped over and over and over again who are educated and privileged. I mean, I don't know if you noticed it first, but you're even doing it right now. While you while you telling what you notice, you're giving us the evidence and the explanation. I know, I know it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> okay. I I want to hear other people see what what they've noticed. How do <clears throat> yeah? What did you notice when you were trying to be right? Yeah, I, I noticed that um, there was this joy, like this gremlin joy, especially because this was an experiment and I knew the other person was being herself. So there was a kind of a comfort, like, and then when, when, when Amy shared something, ah, yeah, I think you're right about these Zoom calls. This is super cool way of people joining, get together. And, and I, I was saying, this is the way of people getting more in tune with their own energy, not being in a meshed room with other people and the people that don't want this, they are in resistance, they are gremlins. So I wanted to be right, this is the thing of the moment, the only thing of the moment. And then I noticed that this kind of, oh, I'm super cool. I'm super cool, I'm having this idea. So it was a sense of like um, enhancing, uh, uh, something inside, very gremly. It's very, very gremly. And when she told something that was like, yeah, that is one thing, but the other also is important. And then I wanted to say, no, no, but this is the thing. Like to really, I got triggered and I was like, no, this is really the thing. So I wanted her in my boat to fully agree with me, even I, if I know that there are other possibilities. So I wanted her back with me to agree with the moment. Thank you. I mean, so how many people had you had the sensation that Joanna just described is you were trying to be right. And when the other person had an opposite position, all of a sudden there was like this, this more energy saying, no, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to prove you that I'm right. Like this wanting, how many people could feel that this like counterbalance and energy Okay. I, 
I yeah. didn't feel that because I wasn't challenged. So I felt bored. Like I was just say, telling the truth and I'm not challenged. So it was just boring. And then when we switched and she was telling, then I noticed it was a lot of fun for my gremlin because I know this is her truth. So I'm just using completion loops. I'm not trying to to argue with her. I'm just using completion loops and I feel like I figured it out. So that was fun for my gremlin. Thank you. I mean, I, I want to come back to what you said, Kirsten, just in a second, but I wanted to say this thing about being right is fueled by somebody telling you that you're wrong. Somebody has an opposite opinion. And if somebody gets to have an opposite opinion, oh boy, we're going to have a good time. Our gremlin's going to have a super time, you know, proving that, that, I, that I'm right. And so, so many, when we're looking for gremlin food, when we're looking for gremlin food, our gremlin could, like, might be looking or would be looking for somebody who knows has a different opinion so that we can get into this really yummy gremlin fight. I'm right. You know, it's I'm right. I'm right. And, th and that was what you were, you were finding, Joanna, this, like, you know, this, like, this, like, Upping the, energy. upping the energy upping the energy okay i want to ask this this question because karsten mentioned it and then you can answer whichever one you wanted but it's what did you notice as the one the person being yourself when you were being yourself what was your strategy when you were um somebody was trying to be right with you so karsten your strategy, basically, you said it's to pretend to listen, but deep, deep down inside, it's your gremlin playing with them. Or how would you, how would you say it? What was well, your strategy? I wouldn't say that. I would say more like, I know it's like I have figured it out. I know about completion loops. I'm not going to fall into the trap of trying to rescue this person. And so it just, yeah, it was just fun to, to be able to not get drawn in. Right, and to distance yourself. You don't have to be in. Yeah. yeah. Joanna. Oh. I, I noticed when I was listening to Bouquet, immediately in my mind was a lot of uh, judgments. Like, oh, she's saying something that she, she also do. And she was being right about other people, but she did the same. And my, but I didn't say it. I, it was just in my inner world. I, I thought a lot of things. I wanted to um, confront her with questions, but I, 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 I didn't. So it's, and I just noticed for, for, not so long that I, I have these a lot of inner conversations about what I'm listening and not and I don't say it out loud. So this is my strategy. Just and and also I'm you know in it was a part that I completely um how can I say I identify myself with her with her story and I just 
there was a part that she kind of cooked me because I, I was in, in there in her story. Thank you. Yeah, for me it was an um, interesting experience because she chose, chose the, an issue. I was, I had the same opinion like she it was about Corona stuff and um, it was like seeing my mirror. So it was difficult to, to be like this. We, we agreed totally. And at the same time, it was interesting for me to see how convinced I'm also from my opinion and from my, that my feelings are right and a trust to my feelings. So it was more like a mirror thing or we had a lot of joy honestly for me. I felt a lot of joy in this exchange. Thank you. I mean, in a way, this is sort of how I box works. It is the people who agree with us or agree with our box. The people who have similar boxes are our friends and the people who have different boxes are our enemies. And, and it's, mm, I mean, it's like, there's nothing wrong or, or bad about that, but it's like, then it's, it's no wonder that the people around us are so homogenous. And like, we all agree together, we can have nice walks together and there's, there's, we're missing the group intelligence. I mean, there's a huge, you know, that would, what would come up with me is like, God, we're, we're missing so much group intelligence because our boxes are so similar. Something like that. Yeah, I want to add something to that because then I can really see how then when you when you agree, then you build like this ally and then you create an even bigger box, which is like a group box against another group box, maybe. And then and I can notice myself, even my gremlin was even bored with that. Like he wanted even to be more right than um, about the thing we already agreed on, like make it even more detailed or I don't know, like, yeah, how many, something like that. How many people also got that this, I wanna be more right than my friend? Okay, a few. Okay, thank you. Mathieu, she wanted to sh share something? No, you just, just mentioned, uh, I was falling, what? I have struggled with the concept of yourself because, and I just decided to, oh, let's see. And I started to follow the conversation to the point that I had, like I found some crack and some, like, something different inside of me have changed. And then I, uh, and I noticed that point, I decided to say, now it's time to say what I want to say in the, in the conversation. So I could feel this, this box system. So I follow up and then sometimes it got a crack and I then changed and then started to follow again the, the story. Okay, so that's your, that's your box strategy. You kind of, it's like sort of being adaptive and then at some point you're finding something that's wrong and, and that would you say it or you just, you don't say anything? I didn't get that. I said, 
I said that I, I break, I bring, I brought another point of view for the conversation. Okay. I mean, I wanted to, I did it with um, Magdalena and something else showed up for me. It was, I realized that she, Magdalena was talking about veganism and my gremlin just wanted to find a way that you cannot have the whole world become vegan. And so I would find those like tiny, tiny like examples that it wouldn't work. See, it wouldn't work. And so I, and that's a, a new, I mean, I was just kind of letting it be. And that's a new strategy that I found, that I found in my gremlin because I wanted to share another one that I, I found when I was kind of trying to exploring this, this territory of being right. And I, I want to ask if other people has this, has this strategy and it's this, I mean, it, maybe it's close to what Joanna said, but it's, it's even more evil. It's, I'm listening and I'm smiling, but inside I'm like, I know that you're wrong. I know that I'm right. And then in a couple days or a week or months or a year, I will bring back the subject and prove you that back then I was right. How many people know about this one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Bouquet. I think this is the moment that I could say, wow, what a powerful mind I have that I can remember even after one year or something. Yeah. Like I can forget things that I should not, but th those kind of things I never forget. So it's, yeah. yeah, our gremlin is powerful like that. And, and, and holding on to like a year of, I, you know, it's this, the energy, I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm gonna prove you that I was right and that you were wrong. And we live, we live with that. We live with that kind of energy. Does anybody else wants to share like what you notice? Yeah, a bit. And then, and then Maria. Yeah, I see that I am too impatient to wait to say that later. <laughs> I, I, I get hooked immediately. And my gremlin, like uh, I did it with Natalia and she was very confident about her opinion and she's <laughs> like several times she said oh it's so annoying and there's there my gremlin got <laughs> by it because i wanted to prove to her that it's just an assumption and but i did not prove it to her but i questioned her okay how do you know and how do you know this and how come you think that and i I've, my gremlin was very much busy to to take this confidence from her so it was very impatient. I could not even listen. Or I, I, I interrupted her several times. Thank you. Maria, do you want to share something? Yeah, um, for me, it's interesting. It's something that you said that I want to be more right. So when I would see someone who has a totally different opinion from mine, my grandma would more be adaptive or not saying anything or just saying yes, yes, and drop it and like 
you're not my friend and that's it, you're there. But when I'm with someone who I know and whose my box is accepted already, then I want to prove right. And then, yeah, I would get all these little arguments and then later backfire and say, oh, you said that, but I was right back then, or I'm more right, or yeah. But I'm doing this with people who have a similar opinion of mine, not like totally different. So yeah, that is interesting. And yeah, when someone has a completely different opinion, I would just not engage in that. I would more step back. And, and But what are you inside? How is it? Is it, oh, I shouldn't say anything or is it what's going on inside? Yeah, I think it's fear of confrontation. Yeah, but what are you saying? Is it like, God, another asshole, he's an idiot or oh, sh I shouldn't say anything like? Yeah, it's like, he's already too convinced just I mean, I still believe I'm right, but this person is too convinced. It's not worth it. I'm, I'm not going to fight with you. Just keep your opinion. But if someone is open to an opinion, then maybe, maybe I will talk and try to convince okay. them. Can you say the last thing again, Maria? Um, yeah. So if someone is open to fight. the... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, if someone's open to, to hearing something, like not, I don't see that person 100% convinced, but just like a bit open, then I would maybe speak up. But, yeah. but in myself, I would still think that I'm right. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's like you're having a fake conversation. And it's an it's a adaptive, uh, you know, sort of being nice, yeah, fake conversation, yeah. Yes. I, yeah, go ahead, Dory. I, I, I'd like to share another thing, because it was really, it was astonishing. When you shared the little video before, it was before my silence. And I had a, a thing going on with my brother, who is on the total opposite side. And in that silence, I saw the whole fight with my brother, our whole life, and how much that fight was like building up my survival strategy of being better. And, and all these things, what I'm doing in all my layers, and I found under all that, I found that connection and that love and we have never lived that. And it was so, it blew me away to see that. And I did really a process also after that with my brother. And so thank you for that video because then I was thinking, okay, where you have that rightness. And that was like opening a big door for me. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, in a way, this is, it's like, a, it's an, you know, we're diving into our underworld. And, you know, even when I was sharing um, my, my strategy, my gremlin was laughing. Because there's this gremlin joy of, and, and most of us were laughing. And then mm, this is gremlin joy of, God, I'm, I'm really smart, or I'm really evil, or I'm really... Um, I, I, I can really protect myself and nobody's going to touch me. And I'm, 
and I'm not going to make an effort to be with somebody else. And I, and, and I win. You know, the gremlin thing is I get to win. If I'm right, I get to win. And, and you know, I, this is like a fifth, whatever, we, we're talking for an hour and I, I would still want to go into practicing what else is possible. Like what else is possible than this being right? But I want to say that I think it takes, if you, if you do this work of self-observation about how, how subtle, how subtle this, this gestures of uh, needing to be right and proving that you're right. And, and the other thing of uh, when somebody's trying to be right, all the ways that you shut down or have this fake conversation or say, fuck you, or, you know, they're, they're idiots, like, or, uh, or, oh God, I should, yeah, maybe I should believe them. Like all these things to notice both side of your need to be right and your reaction to, to it. It's, I think it gets pretty deep. It gets pretty deep and pretty um, like nasty, pretty evil and, and, and painful about uh, this. Yeah. Like I was saying in the beginning, this sacrifice of, getting to be with somebody, whatever, you know, in a way, whatever their box is, whatever their opinion is, whatever their, their position is. And I, before we shift into like, what else is possible? I just want to say that it, it happens a lot. I mean, it happens very fast in partnership. And I, and I, but just because I've also noticed that doing it you know, doing the self-observation for the past couple of weeks is, yes, there is this love. Yes, there's communication. Yes, there's this creation. You know, if you, if you get to be around somebody who, um, whatever, you're doing this work of evolution, then there's probably moments of connection and love and, and, and collaboration and evolution. And then there's just the little things. There's a lot of little things onto which the box still will defend itself to the death, to the death of the relationship because it needs to be right on that thing. And that's the insanity of it, of like our, when we get identified with this box is anything else that we've created, it's just like, it vanishes, it disappears. Or anything else that is possible, you know, vanishes into, um, you know, the, the, the rubbish should be taken out now. Or I, you know, uh, um, we, should, we should eat the leftovers, you know, otherwise they're gonna go bad. Or we need to go shopping now. Or I, uh, uh, I want, you know, I want the blankets to be like this and not like this, or the couch to look like this, or like all these like seemingly small little things. And, and, and in mirror, I think that probably our like direction of living alone, like how many people live alone in their, in their house? Like you're not in a relationship and you're not with roommates or children or, okay. No, so yeah, like sort of half, half of the people, I think it's more for people who don't do this work, but this needing to be alone is to then to be able to be right about everything, about 
where the cutlery is and where the food is and how, when do I go shopping and um, you know what time do I wake up or watering the plants or what time we have lunch you know all the things is if, if I don't have to negotiate with anybody I can just be right about it and nobody's going to say anything and it's sort of going to disappear something like that yeah. I would like to to share something or also to ask for perspective maybe on that um, because I, I first of all what I notice is that I have this I don't know what part of it is maybe it's my gremlin who's like oh when you you think you're right just let you be in that that's fine for me I don't put myself against it I don't fight with you about it or I just put myself back and maybe it's also my nice my nice guy behavior or something like this that I train to to be just very nice and comfortable for people to be around and um, this is the one thing I noticed and then there's the the real deep ingrained belief or feeling that it is and this is also what I talked about, that it is right to be right. There, there needs, someone has to be right. There, there's just one truth or there's just, there's an experiential truth that we can get to. And if someone is more close to it, he's more right. And we need to find out who it is. And... I, yeah, I, I feel like this contradicts kind of the whole thing here. I, I, I feel like I'm so right in that there's the truth and we can find it and we can look together and you can see that, or I can see that there's something more truthful and a perspective that someone's offering. So do you have something on that or... Yeah, to well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I well, are you? It's it's it sounds like it smells like some kind of a, a spiritual, it has a spiritual base. So, yeah, where, where can you tell us where did, where did you get it? This, this, there is a truth, and the people who get closer to it, to it are more right. So, I there's a community that I um, visited a few times where a similar topic came up of kind of the arrogance to be right. And there was one guy told me, hey man, we just need to find out whose arrogance is right because there's there's this, maybe one, one is right and we can find it out. And in this, I've, I experience a lot of aliveness also. And like, well, let's, let's find out. I want to fight with you until we find out who's right. And yeah, the, the spiritual context or something like this, there is an experiential belief. The spiritual belief is there's an experiential 
reality that we all have access to and where our perspective is kind of distorted or not distorted and we can find out who has the less distorted perspective on on reality i i hear you yeah thank you i mean i'm distinguishing between being right and clarity as a bright principle and clarity comes from experiential distinction so for example i'm taking the very simple example of for feeling is that when i feel angry it's a it's not a it's not a um it's like not, not a concept it's like i can i can feel it in my body and i can distinguish saying this is anger and when i feel fear it's an experience and i can say oh this is fear and these are our experiential distinction and um, yeah i'm not going to go into that but my thing is i get it this like this this aliveness about okay let's find out whose arrogance is more right and i was i was practicing i was a buddhist for a couple years so it's not a very long time but i get to be around buddhist and they do dharma battles and they somebody says something like a monk would say something the men would especially do this and then when they would say an argument then they would send it like this and then the other person had to give an argument about an experience you know they were arguing about ex the experience of life or the experience of consciousness and so there is that's a it's a it's like a skill it's a it's a space to be in to be able to do this however in terms of human relationship you know what you say might be true like i don't know what you say might be true like how much does it help us to relate to each other? Like what's the point really of finding the truth if in the way we've, we have forgotten to relate to our peers and to relate to our loved ones? And, and so this is, I think we, it's sort of talking about two different space and mm, you know, for example, in the work of possibility management, when somebody has an emotional reactivity, which is pretty easily to experience, you know, both as the person who, who's having it, but also as us experiencing the, exper the emotional reactivity, we have this, this sentence you say, you know, seems like you have an emotional reactivity, would you be willing to do an emotional healing process? And and the other person can say, I'm not having a reactivity. You know, and, and, you, and then, you know, as, as the person asking the question, you say, yes, you are having emotional reactivity. And then it ends up in this gremlin fight. You know, yes, you're having emotional reactivity. No, you're not having emotional reactivity. And I think that happens, you know, pretty often in possibility management. And so even the experiential distinction is used as gremlin weapons, Experiential distinction is used like gremlin weapons. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Like we're using those tools um, for that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it distinguishes a little bit, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay, 
this is sort of where I want to go like next in terms of in this in this box gremlin reaction this sort of it's this like fight fight uh, flight you know so the so the the fight, the fight is, I want to be more right, or I want to, I want to fight you, you know, I want to be more, I want to make you wrong. And the flight is, I'm withdrawing, I'm not there, I'm not going to engage in a conflict. And the freeze is numbness, basically, I can't say anything. And so whatever, this is sort of what's happening in this uh, being right, being right, uh, gremlin frenzy. And the offer, I think there's many tools in terms of being, in terms of recreate, like creating relationship instead of gremlin food. And, and I want to tell you a few, and maybe you figured out other ways also, and then started practicing together. But what I, the two things that I mainly have noticed that works is the first one is asking questions, our ability to ask questions and authentic like authentic questions, like with curiosity about, hey, what, why, is, why would that be important for you? You're saying this as if it's important. Can you tell me what it's like for you that that would be something important? Or, or, or can you tell you, know, it's not really, can you tell me more? Because they're just gonna go into their like explanation and justification and I'm right and I can prove it to you. It's more going to the level deeper of like, hey, what's touching you in this that you, you're ready to like go to war with me almost. You don't really have to say that, but um, so that's really one thing that's powerful. And it, which it would require like for you to have your center, your grounding cord, your bubble, your gremlin at your side that does not get hooked into a gremlin fight. And instead your gremlin, you're using your gremlin to um, hold space to ask a question that is non-linear. It's like a non-linear question. You're having this meta, meta question and it's this authentic curiosity Hey, I want to, you can even say that, I want to get to, to get to know you better. I want to get to know you better. And so what, what is this about really? Why is this important? And the other skills that I found is really powerful is negotiating intimacy. Not, and it comes with making proposals. It's about making proposal about, you know, in a way it's, if this conversation where there's a gremlin telling, you know, saying, hey, I'm right about this or a box trying to hold on to a position or an opinion and, and you wanna have a different kind of conversation, you say, hey, I wanna, I wanna have a different kind of conversation and this is, this is the kind of conversation I want. And I'm making this proposal that, uh, and, and, you, and you, then you say what you want. So the thing is, was the thing was making proposal and negotiating intimacy, it would start by, you know, you would need to say what you want. And first of all, then you would need to know what you want. And in so many ways, because we're so cut off from our feelings and so cut off from our 
um, you know, archetypal lineage and bright principles and Gaia and our inner resources and our five bodies, most of the time we don't know what we want. And so that is, it is because we don't know what we want that we get so easily hooked into a gremlin conversation because it's the default. It's survival, it's easy. We don't need to go beyond uh, our comfort zone to create something different. And mm, I mean, I mentioned it in my, in my short introduction for this work talk is both of these skills, like asking questions and making proposals are very powerful and they're really powerful and completely magical in terms of opening different spaces. It's, those are magic, magical secrets, really. Uh, the thing is, is they, is they work if you have your center and if you can um, if you have sort of your sword out, like you can make boundaries and say what you want and say what you don't want and say yes and say no and say stop. Because these things are not like the questions and the making proposal, they're about basically having the conversation that you want to have, that your being wants to have. And if, for example, you've developed a survival strategy that it's being adaptive, you might want to start asking questions that makes the other person comfortable. And then you're having this horrible, boring conversation where they are still stuck in their box. I mean, I'm sure you've had those conversations over and over again, where you're trying to pretending to be interested. And then it goes on and on and on. And it's been just like it was an hour of your time wasted. And you get out of there frustrated and angry with yourself and angry with the other person. And it's like... It, this is not what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I just want to share that last week, I realized that I was being adaptive with some of my um, team, team players, like my teammates. And every time I would get out of a meeting with them, I was, I was so angry. I was like, and I, and I was angry for days after that. And I, did, I couldn't get it. I didn't get why I was so angry and why it was not working until like, Four weeks later, like a month later, I got that I was just being adaptive. And that's why I was so pissed off because I was not saying what I wanted. I didn't say the way I wanted it to be. So I, anyway, I still want to practice these, uh, at least one skill, the, the skill of asking questions with authentic curiosity and, and then to, to check like I want to yeah sort of check in with you after that does anybody want to share anything before we we go into skill practice people who haven't spoken yet like Nicole or Julia yeah yeah I'm so glad we're doing this next Thing because the first one I think was the first time ever in my life that I'd actually been having a conversation where my box was trying to be right while I was no like while I like intentionally on purpose and I started to really get the sense of how multi-dimensional it is because as I was kind of watching the person I was talking to scanning for what their opinion might be and then I was hedging against their having a different opinion. And then suddenly I was being right about having both opinions and then still 
like being hooked about which side of it they might come in on. And so I need as much new experiments as I can get here. Thank you. Anybody else from somebody who hasn't talked before? Okay, you don't, you don't have to talk, but I was just opening a door if there was something boiling um, and, and not enough space to speak. Okay, this time we'll go in groups of three. So, um, let's see. Great. In the group of three, there's, so one person, you're, one person you're practicing asking question with authentic curiosity about, about like, why is this thing? Like, why, why are they having this conversation? Like, why is it, what's the thing under it? And it might, you know, um, okay. So this is, you're practicing this. And then there's another person who you're just being your box. You're being, you're trying to be right. You might even like have the conversation you were having before, like the same conversation, you can pick the same topic and let yourself, you know, this is a conscious exercise. So you know that you're in exercise, but let yourself, let your box sort of do its thing and let yourself be surprised about what is underneath. Okay, let yourself fall into the questions. And like, if your box wants to react, just say it, you know, my box would say this or, just, just also be, be real. And the third person, you get to be a coach to help the, the, the person at practicing asking questions. Because, and you might give them, you know, you could ask this next, or you're really in, in support and you're telling them, okay, this question worked, this question didn't, and you could try this. You get it, how it goes? And we'll do it about um, six minutes per person. I'll tell you when to shift. Six minutes. Talbot, I, I've heard this from you before and I would like to know why is it important for you and what is, um, how do you see that the kids are bored and what would you like to see instead? Yeah, it's, it's, it's breaking my heart because uh, one side is that I'm separated from my children that I forced to give them away after being so intimate with them the first six years. And now I have no say at all anymore. And then also it reminds me of my own childhood that I felt they, they're, taking, they're taking my time and they're taking my energy and my interest because I felt tired in the afternoon. And how did I felt that exhausted from adapting and how, yeah, how, is and it, I, how it, do it's they painful for me to see. So Maria, there's, I know we're also online See? and everything, but there's a mm -hmm. way that 
you wanted to interrupt her, but you didn't really prepare her to interrupt. And so Habet is sort of sharing this, you know, she's sharing this intimate process and you can, you know, instead of cutting her, you just say, hey, Habet, 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 until she can listen to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and then, and then you open this other question of like, hmm, for me, that would have been my question. You know, I don't know what you would have asked Maria, but it would have been something like, you know, this has been happening for a while, it seems a bit in your life with your children. And what is it, you know, what is new right now? Like, what is it coming? Why is it coming back up right now? What have you, what else have you figured out? So I would have, anyway, that would, that's what I would have tried to, to not, so I don't have to listen to what I've heard before. And it's like, what is the new insight now? Yeah. Or go ahead with the question you were going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just have it. I was hearing that you said your kids are taking your energy and I wanted to know what does that mean for you? How does it feel for you? Yeah, go. Uh, no, it was more the school that takes my energy. So when I was a kid, so I remember I was tired in the afternoon. I didn't want to get busy with anybody. And now, yeah. And now what's different for me is that that I have my son at home. Okay, you guys were practicing 
Dory, I'm just going to mute you. There's sort of a, there's a wind from behind. Thank you. Um, you guys were practicing asking, asking questions as when, when facing somebody who is in their box, basically somebody who's coming at you from their box. And in, in, in you, instead of having your gremlin do its usual strategies, so, you know, fighting, withdrawing, freezing, um, having all sorts of voices in your head, practicing being in connection with that person through questions, through authentically curious, you know, curious question. What, what did you notice? Like, what did you figure out about that? Yeah, have it. Yeah, uh, for me, I I realized that I have a tendency to fix something, like to fix the other person or to fix a situation or to, um, like I I I I had to focus on using my gremlin to to hold space, to not make assumptions and to not push it into something, but rather asking open question to stay open and to keep, to make the person feel safe enough to keep on talking. Thank you, yeah. What I observed was a first attempt to to question, and and then that my second question was um, more, was more authentic, but the first one was like, well, uh, is was a tendency like so? Are you absolutely sure that is like that? That was the first the first uh, question. Then I started to do more authentic questions i actually i was observing uh, my my reaction and 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 comparing it to the first question and i started uh, deepen the relation with the person and actually finding um the, a way to looking at her with the different eyes and that that was that was interesting but it's not the first reaction but then again it's 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 very interesting experiment because gradually it it it, it um, expands our our vision and it it, uh, it it enhances the connection and the bond between between me and the other person. Cool, thank you. Yeah, I mean, thank you for also noticing. Actually, this this first question actually was still the gremlin trying to, you know, mm, yeah, confront like confront. Cool, thank you, Magdalena. Yes, um, I want to share that it almost seemed that like the people were waiting for that kind of question. They don't want to really play this. I want to be right and and do and and they, they both uh, Bouquet and Leslie in my group. They were like, yes, we want to go deeper. We want to talk about what's, what's really hidden behind this, this purpose of being right, what's, what's really alive in us. And, and it was like a beautiful doorway that was like simply opened by curiosity and asking the questions. So that was beautiful. 
that was beautiful for me, beautiful experience. I feel joy now and, and, and some sadness. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah, after Magdalene, actually, I want to say in this space where we shared, there were more listening than this questioning because listening also was giving a space to three of us to say whatever was coming. And just one question could really touch the part that was not trying to be right. So I think this was a kind of key also to let other person to speak and speak and speak, speak, speak. And then because after a while it will somewhere it will stop if you just listen. Then the question, if it comes, I think it's much more easier to put this key and open the door. It was really clearly that I could see that I couldn't resist actually because I spoke already. It was yeah, amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I want to share as well. Mm. For me, the most alive was the experience of asking questions. Mm. Usually when that happens, I'm, I'm often occupied on how good, like how authentical my question is going to be. And that means that I'm already killing the space of being authentic with someone. And today I just felt grounded and truly curious. Like, I don't know how to describe that, but you are like a, I don't know, just grounded in Gaia and, and curious and and with no space for stories, thoughts, nothing, just, and it, and it was working, like, it was working, so, thank you. Cool, thank you, thank you. What works for, what worked for me was to have the, also the coach and, and there's, there is this kind of practicing, I guess, being born of this, that if we could do this often and regularly to, to mediate, to mediate conversation. And, and because when I'm two to two, I, there's a part of me that cannot put myself into the third eye. So if, if I can do that movement myself, I would be not so much identified and I would have more possibilities. So it's very, it's very interesting, the third person there and the, the field that creates, uh, that it's possible, it's like something else is possible also because the third person is there. And I wonder when the third person is not, how can I be the third person? Mm. Yeah. Thank, I'm you. Just, <clears throat> thank you. Yeah, I'm just thinking, Jonah, where you say this, that you know, it could be a whole culture that uh, you know in a village people would almost never talk one-to-one -one. there would always be this this third person yeah. and that could be a whole culture built like that um to in, to like yeah. notice the the hooks in the in the box and be like well you could ask this and and like what kind of yeah what kind of spaces could be built like this 
cool. Yeah, and I, I would like to add because I, I'm starting to help community to, to build. So groups of people to be together and work. And there is so much resistance to ask for this help. So the group thinks they have to work for themselves. And when this is not um, happening, when there's conflict, there's a resistance to ask for someone to come. And I guess this is the next step of people asking for help and really, okay, someone can come here and bring clarity to all of us. Yeah, I mean, Joanna, because you, you're bringing this up, you know, it might be worth having this being right conversation or, it, and it would go sort of with this looking good. And I think this is the, when there's a third person, you know, if the two are identified, then there's no um, like mirror of, are you, you know, are you trying to be right or are you trying to look good? And, but if there's a third person that can happen. And so, but if, if that is put on the table, this, is that, is that what we're doing here, trying to be right or trying to look good, then they, that can start, you know, moving and digesting in, and, and that shift of asking for help might, um, might come along that, so. Yeah. Mm. Ecstasy, Christine. I, I feel like it's also going along with our culture very much being to do everything alone, like to have this control because then, then it's also not possible to, to step out of this. Because even when, when um, I'm sorry, Jenna, if I take your example, but you just shared that you want to even figure, if you could figure it out how to do that alone, the third person, then you're trapped again in this, I would say. So I wonder if that if that's really necessary because then we really need maybe more three or these four people to do that. Mm, yes. Mm. Yeah. I really I noticed how the the questioner the the coach questioner as that third person kind of helped helped keep the conversation away from a right-wrong conversation because, because really they were doing for the questioner what the questioner was, was doing for the speaker, kind of asking a question that, that pulled it back into being, being together. And, and I noticed how when I was the questioner that really honing in on like what's important to this person what do they care about was a really it was kind of like my rope that i was holding on to in this wild water of this new experiment and then i noticed it also as the coach when i was watching both people kind of gauging for what was important to them and then it was a different kind of question to ask the questioner to ask and or to, I didn't end up asking any because, because it was going how it was going, but it was still kind of like this neat sense of viscerally edging it away from box to box, right and wrong relating. Yeah, cool, thank you. Um, 
I found that um, Carla had so much ev personal evidence that her opinion was really working well, really correct for her situation. That, and, and I've heard her talk about this before and had lots of questions about it where I didn't necessarily agree with her, but this time she was so, she spoke with such conscious anger and such clarity that I, I almost didn't have any questions. I had to really come up with some questions because I, um, I completely understood her point of view. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what, I, what I've noticed in, in this practice for me is when I start asking questions and I get to know this person and, and basically their inner world and their inner structure and what makes sense to them and what's important for them, I, it doesn't mean I need to agree. I mean, this agreeing thing is also the box. You know, I agree or disagree. I like you. I don't like you. It's, it's all box. And it's, but it's just like, ah, oh, this, is, this is what it's like for, you know, in Mateusz's world or in Dimitra's world. You know, this is, this is what it looks like. And, and then I can fall in love with that. I sort of, I can fall in love with that, even if it's completely different from where I am in and in a way what I've sensed is whatever the conversation then it doesn't really matter the conversation doesn't really matter because I get to fall in love with their inner their inner world and and so Phyllis I would you know I would encourage you to uh, you know you can even practice with somebody you don't have to do it with really somebody who's you know ultimately racist or believes that the American institutions are uh, fair or whatever, but to uh, to practice with somebody, yeah, to start asking questions about how how is it for you, how is it inside, and and anyway, it's my suspicion that I think you would hit some some kind of wounds or some kind of um, real pain about uh, you know defending uh, defending racism or defending, uh, mistreating other human beings or, and, you know, it doesn't make it appropriate. It doesn't make it, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to sell, you know, let's, let's fall in love with psychopath or let's let, fall in love with abusers because then we can, we can understand their inner world. This is not what I'm talking about. Um, you know, and sometimes boundaries are just needed. Sometimes the only thing is, hey, none of that, none of that in my space, none of that around me, this does not work with me. You cannot abuse me. You cannot, um, you know, control me, manipulate me. It's over. Um, so sometimes that's necessary. But what I found, and I wanted to, to share that, is that we were doing it in an environment that was pretty, like, safe or pretty soft where you know most of us actually are willing to and, and and want to open up and 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 have our heart out and and have our being seen like we've worked hard to put down our defenses and this is a held space and i've and i actually this this conversation came came up for me or this um this research came up because as a space holder i somehow like a few times in a row, I kept having these like sort of attacks from people in my spaces. And 
and it, and it's scary because I think as a space holder, like when I see, you know, most of you are, are some kind of space holder for, for some kind of spaces. Mm, what one thing that can be scary is to be in a space where somebody we hold space for is trying to be right that you're wrong as a space holder. And it's like, okay, how do you, how do you deal with that when there's somebody you're holding space for and, they, and they're trying to tell you that you're wrong? And, and it can be pretty stressful for the system because there's all this, you know, witch burning and uh, exile and being humiliated in school and all this stuff that's coming out from having this kind of uh, gremlin box uh, interaction. And, and what I found it is, it is so powerful and possible to stay connected and having and, and asking these questions such as, I mean, that's sort of the next level, but it can be, you know, um, how could I have done it differently? You know, and I'm saying that, for example, even in, in friendships or in partnerships where there's this like big emotional reaction and it often starts with something like, you did this or you said that and you hurt me. Okay, and they're, they're convinced that they're right, that you hurt them. And we're back in this like being right, being right. And if you get to, you know, if you match up to the gremlin, it's over. It becomes this like gremlin, I'm right, I'm right. Um, and, and, and that can take years to heal this kind of, uh, you know, emotionally charged conversation. And, and I have found so powerful the possibility of asking I get it that I did something that triggers something. And, and you know, it, it could be an emotional reaction. And, and so, but, and to say like, hey, how could I have done it differently? What, what could I have done instead? Would you give me other possibilities that I didn't see? And it shifts this conversation from, you know, the way I held space or the way I said it, it was right. And I was righteous in this, in this way. And the other person thinking you're wrong because you hurt them to God, actually there's like many, many possibilities of how to have said that or how to have held space or how to have, um, you, you know, whatever, engage an impossible conversation with your partner about whether, you know, whether or not you're going to have children, whether or not you're going to move to another country, whether or not, um, you know, this relationship is working for you, whether or not like these kind of impossible conversation that are so emotionally charged have so many other, like so many doors to go about it and to, um, and to harvest someone's pain of saying, hey, how could it have worked for you? I want to hear how you want to be received. This is such a powerful question. I want to hear how you want to be received. And then, and then, you know, you can even say, and then I can tell you how I want to be received. And then, then we can negotiate, we can negotiate that. And so, you, and then, and it's this way, like you don't, it's not about losing your clarity. It's about opening the, the group intelligence and the pain intelligence in a way. Carla, you were going to say something? Were you going to ask something? 
Carla, anything or was Can you hear us, Carla? Okay. Okay. We've got a, a few minutes left. Anybody, anybody, anything? Like any comments or questions or? Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. About this, uh, 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 I was going to say dealing with, meeting people who are uh, being rude and aggressive and then still I can, can see that they might have some wisdom you know talk about group intelligence and and I can see the kind of a value in in learning something from people who are not comfortable to my box to talk with and then how but then not accepting abuse and then like how to navigate this I like Kirsten, there's no answer to your question. The, the, yeah, this how-to is, is, there's no how-to. It's really, it's experience. And, and I think it depends on like the sharpness of your sword and how well your gremlin is trained. Because if you have that, most people can come up with anything, you know, and try to abuse you and try to criticize you be rude with you and your sword and your gremlin just look at them and says hey i'm not interested in that but i'm interested in this other thing but and sometimes you know and and whatever experiment experiment find find how sharp your sword is and how you know how much your gremlin can take because a no might just be necessary say get you know i don't want that you know get out and then and then you might practice and then it will come back a year later and you'll be able to be with it. Something like that. So right. find, find, your, find your sharpness. Yeah, a bit. You have something. Yeah, I want to, to, to add to this an experience that I had with my daughter when she was four years old in kindergarten. She shared with me about a situation in kindergarten and that a girl is very stupid and why she's so annoying. And then I, I, I gave her advice, right? I told her like, yeah, but Alia, you could have done this or you could have said this or whatever. And then she said, mom, this is none of your business. And that was so weird to me <laughs> to say that. But in a way I could manage in this moment to, I mean, I still remember that, that's 16 years ago, um, that I was, I was glad that this, that this conversation was safe enough for her to, to tell me that, that it's not my business. So I, I didn't have anything else to say about it. I just wanted to say that, that, that this clarity can also be uh, connecting. Yeah, thank you. Okay, one more minute. Carla, you want to try it? <laughs> um, what can I say? You don't have to say uh, something. I, I thought there was something coming no. up. No, I was just I was just listening. I have so many stories with, with the kids. When I, I listened to Abbott, that just reminded me things. I think the kids should give work talks and workshops next yeah. next time. 
Mm-hmm. No, and, and especially what, what it came to my mind was sometimes we we don't give our, our, the children enough space for them to relate to their own feelings. We, we rush ourselves to say, why didn't you do this, this and that, but we don't listen. And, and sometimes what they're going through is something completely different. And sometimes they just tell us, okay, I, I'm telling, I'm sharing this with you, but with those answers, I, I, I won't share it anymore because you didn't even listen. So these questions to ask them how they feel, how is that, how does that feel for you? As we were just exercising here, it's very important to get to know what they really are going through. Yeah, I mean, Carla, and I would add, I think, you know, we do that with children or our children. We do that with adults. We do that with our friends. Yeah, yeah we do that with our colleagues. Okay. I, this is, it's time. Some people, you have appointments and all this stuff. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, it was a pleasure to go into this, in this territory. Thank you guys. And if, if you, you anybody wants to play, I can stay. Thank you. you. But otherwise, hugs and hearts. Thank you. And Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Experimenting. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.